1: It's another victory edition of the Casey Laboratory live episode presented by Emprise Bank. Whatever life throws your way, make sure you have a strong defense in place with a high interest savings account. Make your family's playbook look just like the Chiefs with blocking, tackling, and a whole lot of winning. And a hashtag no no loss November for everyone. Complete thank you to member FD, uh Man, Man, Prize Bank member FDIC. So appreciative of them. All they have done for KC Sports Network. They rule. And you know who also rules? My dear pals. First find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina, Maddie Lane. Hello, my friend.
2: Can we just stay in the month of November or forever? As Chiefs fans? <laughs> yes. We don't lose. We don't lose. All, all the luck breaks our way as fans of the Kansas City Chiefs, who are now, I believe, only one and a half, and then I guess plus a tiebreaker or something like that, behind the Titans for the first seed in the AFC uh, playoff race. So, you know, we'll, let's just stay in November. Can we Can we move our bye week? Can we play another game in November, actually? We don't want to let this this luck run out, right?
3: Yeah, let's get a hold of the Broncos, figure out what they're doing this weekend, see if we can schedule maybe a Sunday game. We don't have to do a Thursday. We can do a Sunday game against the Broncos and then, you know, do the bye week at the beginning of December. Let's just go ahead and extend this division lead out and this defensive performance, this dominance in November out yet another week. I'm, I'm, I'm really genuinely sad to see November go. They were so good.
1: Well, yeah, Craig's beaming. Just absolutely beaming over his defensive performance. We gotta start there, I think. Like I think that is we very certainly can't play- start on the other side. <laughs> we'll get hey, we'll get there. We could have we could have started a little no, we more negative. But I think the defense deserves a ton of credit for a lot of different reasons. Um I you know, I, I know the the narrative has been about all the players that you know that the that the, the Dallas Cowboys didn't have playing and like that was one of the big excuses, but that pass rush was no joke like that pass rush was was the heartbeat of what that defense did and you know i look i i know there's some excuses you can explain away some things in this hashtag no lost november i don't care it's a fun hashtag it's been a lot of fun to, to watch this thing you know go all the way but yeah i i think you, you you've got to give the defense credit regardless of who lined up because this was a dominant team uh, on that side of the football, they they surrendered 11.75 points per game in the month of November, which is worse than the Houston Texans. So I don't care who's on the field. The Chiefs <laughs> relegated the any team that they lined up against to worse than the Houston Texans by three points. Craig, this was a That's... great this was a great performance.
3: That's that's the the Houston Texans that just beat the Tennessee Titans, by the way, you know, that that same juggernaut that that just took down the number one seed in the AFC. So what? Watch it out there. Um, (laughs) No, it's great. Uh, They had uh, 25 percent on third down. The defense allowed that obviously would be tops in the league for a season long thing. Thirty seven point five percent in the red zone again tops in the league if it was season long there obviously over the past couple weeks it, it it's ranking like three to five amongst defenses but still that's outstanding that's exactly that let me take that back that is more than I think that a lot of us expected out of this defense and again it doesn't matter who they're lining up against the fact that they're executing they're making offenses look that bad is a testament to it How many times, just to take it all the way back to injuries here and talking about Tyron Smith being out, talking about some shifting pieces on the offensive line, how many times have we done game previews where we said, listen, this is a prime opportunity for the defensive line to eat, going against backup players, going against some rotating cast of characters, and the response generally that we see is, yeah, well, we say that, and then they don't do it. Guess what? They're doing it. (laughs) and they're doing it against lots of players lots of starters even i mean chris jones worked worked zach martin on the inside plenty too so it it wasn't just the matchups that that they were able to get so kudos and a hat tip to that defensive line for being such a dominant force yesterday against the cowboys completely wrecked Dak prescott in the offense's plans.
2: The entire month of November, I think you could go game by game and kind of just you could come up with these excuses for why the defense is playing better than what anybody would have anticipated. I mean, they didn't play a strong group of offenses once you calculate in the injuries and the guys that miss time each week. But once you do that four games in a row, that narrative does kind of get slimmed down a little bit. It doesn't you can know you can't point to a single game and say, oh, they were only good in this game because the Raiders offensive line is one of the worst in the NFL because Amari Cooper and then C.D. Lamb didn't play in this game or because Aaron, like, you see how many games I'm having to go through here to put a caveat on? At some point in time, it just becomes about the Chiefs and only the Chiefs and not their opponent. I do think you kind of got there against the Cowboys. You could have made a case they did it against the Raiders too, but that doesn't mean that they didn't get favorable matchups. Like They absolutely sure. did. This month was perfect for the Chiefs. They played a lot of bad offensive lines, which allowed this defensive line to get their mojo back To start feeling themselves as they got healthier from the start of the year, and then we got this dominant defensive line that we spent all offseason talking about. How many people tweeted at us, being like, "Hey, what happened to that dominant defensive line you guys were talking about?" Hey, what happened
3: to your Chris Jones Defensive Player of the Year takes? Guess what, baby? The back. They're all back. back.
1: They're all back.
2: Okay. What? tweet at us oh Steve Spagnuolo's got to go who should we replace him with guess who's not going anywhere right now Steve Spagnuolo these guys have all been excellent Steve Spagnolo just had the the quarterback playing the best this year the, the most cerebral playing quarterback this year in his own head throwing quick screens on third and five over and over again because he had no clue what was coming at him and because that defensive line was playing good so you know give a round of applause to this defense it doesn't matter if it was against backups for a lot of it or against you know missing pieces they played great for four games I mean Elite for four straight games that matters mm-hmm.
1: dominance you dominance. they took care of business four straight week with with sheer dominance I think Craig kind of alluded to this about the defensive line but look across the port this defense dominated four straight games and that's I think that's the thing you hang your hat on here is I mean they they I mean 11.75 points per game for four games that is three points less than the Houston Texans that the gap between the Houston Texans and the 26th best team is the same as the gap between the Houston Texans and the chief fence points allowed uh, this, this uh, you know, this, this month. So I, they took care of business. They did it with it. Like that, that this is the NFL. These are professionals. I, I I don't care. Like they did what they were supposed to do. One of the guys that did was supposed what he was supposed to do defensive end, Frank Clark. Now we had a giveaway on KCSN's Twitter account. Retweet, follow, all that good stuff. And you would be entered to win. We have a winner for the Frank Clark signed football. And it is uh, at this little lady J on Twitter. So we will be contacting her uh, for to, to get her uh, information so we can get her the signed Frank Clark football. Congratulations to her. Thank you to everybody who participated. We got all kinds of other giveaways and stuff. That we need uh that we'll that we'll be doing throughout the year. Uh so just you know make sure you're following uh KC Sports Network and and then uh yeah, good things will happen to you, I promise. Uh speaking of Frank Clark though, I think uh he, you know, we'll we'll get to Chris Jones. Uh because oh, yeah. yeah, you know, that that's that's undeniable. But I I think Frank Clark, perfect transition because we just got done talking about him. And this is a guy that, man, you know, the narratives about him all over the place this is the healthiest he's looked. This looks like the guy that we all thought we were getting here in Kansas city. When he, when he came and joined this, this team. Uh, And and I'll, I'll, I'll hand it over to you, Craig, in a second for a lot of different analysis. But one of the other things is like, he continues to play 80% of the snaps. This dude is, this is, uh, this dude is just, he's, he's such a workhorse and the efforts outstanding and he's getting home and he's rushing the pass. He's affecting the passer. He's making plays, turn the ball over, turn back over in the first quarter. This guy is having an outstanding year. And and Chris Jones is going to be a big piece of this conversation today. But uh, Frank Clark is certainly worthy of that, too.
3: Oh, yeah. Uh, Frank Clark on the day, a 15.9% pressure rate. That is the fourth time in the last five games that he has been over 14% pressure rate. So he's getting home. Basically, when he lines up, he's getting home often enough that teams have to respect him. And I think the first sack, obviously you saw Cowboys trying to go a little bit of tempo there and they didn't get their protection sorted out. Frank Clark comes off the edge unblocked. People are going to, I've seen some people kind of talking down about that. My man swatted through the ball. Like that was an excellent play by him. Doesn't matter if he's unblocked, but the things that he was able to do, crushing the pocket, basically setting Dak up to where he had to climb. At all times, Melvin Ingram did it too, but Frank Clark crushing the pocket, setting the backside of that, forcing Dak Prescott up for large parts of the day. That was awesome. Forced a hold call, had a whole bunch of pressures as well. Just made his impact throughout the day in a bunch of different facets. And that's, that's. The typical Frank Clark game. That's what the Chiefs went out and got him for. That's what he did in Seattle. That's what we saw him do at the end of the year in 2019. This looks like that guy, but maybe more powerful, maybe even better than what we saw in 2019. He certainly looks healthier. He's certainly playing even more than he did in 2019. So there's a lot of things to hang your hat on in this game. And again, we, we're going to talk about the dominating performance of Chris Jones, but, Frank Clark's efforts should not go unnoticed along the defensive line in this game. He was especially dominant working some backup tackles on the edge. That's the kind of thing that you want to see of a player that's having to go up against backups right there, that level of dominance.
2: And with Frank Clark, this is something that's always got overlooked and people you can almost visually see them rolling their eyes, even though they're working through Twitter here. When you talk about how good of a run defender he is, but he really is, and that that's continuing this year. You have to change the way you run the football against the Chiefs when you have healthy Frank Clark playing the way he can versus the run. And I know that there's stats out, you know, from PFF or ESPN's analytics that don't really say he's very good versus the run. Like all I can say is go look where teams run. It's always away from them. the stats show you they have no success when they run where Frank Clark is that's what you need to know teams don't try it when they do it doesn't work by god if there's one play where he loses contain though i will hear about it on twitter so like you don't have to be the first one to do it somebody <laughs> else is gonna let me know that a ball got outside of him one time in a game but he's a great run defender like he really is and this year as craig said he's playing a little bit more powerful he looks stronger he looks healthier i think it's showing up even more you see some of these plays, how much he's squeezing down the B-gap, playing through an offensive tackle. He, mm-hmm. as a defensive end, is taking away an interior gap while still holding his responsibility to the outside. It's excellent play from him there. And then the Chiefs went out and got Melvin Ingram across from him. And this pairing of defensive ends, it's it's making a world of difference for Chris Jones. We're going to oh, get to yeah. Chris Jones, who has been great, but I think you finally have two defensive ends right now that can both win with power. Now that Frank Clark's had some weight, he's looking healthier. you got Melvin Ingram. You have guys that aren't being forced into taking 10 to 11 yard rushes around the arc. These guys can take shorter, more direct pass to the quarterback. And even when they're not getting home, they're forcing these quarterbacks to step up into the pocket. They're forcing them to do it early. And that's playing right into Chris Jones, Jared Reed's hands. I mean, that's right where those guys want to be. They're not having to run eight yards, nine yards into the pocket anymore because of how direct Ingram and Frank Clark are able to play. This Melvin Ingram signing is proving I mean, to be super huge for the Chiefs. Massive. It's wild that the Steelers couldn't get him on the field, couldn't make him happy by getting him on the field. I get it. They have two really good outside linebackers that were playing ahead of him. I really do understand, but you couldn't use this guy for 20 to 30 snaps a game. Like you couldn't find a way to make him useful. I don't understand what the Steelers were doing there with that. But I mean, it's been a huge move for the Chiefs.
1: We'll take it. <laughs> and Melvin,
3: third and pressure rate on the Chiefs' defensive line
1: since he got here. Third. That's outrageous. And I believe he got his highest snap percentage. Uh, this week, 66% of the snaps uh, for a Melvin Ingram, a guy that got 75% of the snaps was Chris Jones. And uh, he was felt on a hundred percent of the plays that he was in. <laughs> and I think probably a few of the plays he wasn't somehow because that man was all over the field and he, uh, he was just all over the backfield. Really? He was dominant. I think that might've been the best performance we've seen from, from Chris Jones. And that's saying a lot because when he's dialed in, he is one of the two best pass rushers along the interior of the National Football League. The only other guy is a guy named Aaron Donald. And you saw mm-hmm. dialed in Chris Jones just completely wreck the Dallas Cowboys this week, Craig. Yeah, and
3: it wasn't just this week. I mean, like everybody kind of remembers Chris Jones being dominant. Led the team in pressure rate last year. Or last week as well, 14% had 17 percent this week and it felt like more like it felt like uh because Dak Prescott and his Cowboys offense were having to get the ball out so quickly because they didn't feel comfortable running on the interior because there was just so much penetration Chris Jones was absolutely wrecking this interior of the Cowboys offensive line and that includes one of the better offensive linemen in the league in Zach Martin has three and a half sacks on the day, had a ton of pressures as well. Swats the ball that pops up into the air for Lejarius Sneed at the end of the game. That's after last week when he had two rejections at the line of scrimmage near the end of the game. This is the best two back-to-back games, I want to say, for Chris Jones in his career. Again, we, we've we talked about Chris Jones before how he has some isolated appearances. He certainly has some of the highest quality pass rushes and sacks along this defensive line. And certainly that we've seen in a long time in a chief's uniform, but it's not always consistent with his pressure. And again, that Eagles game from a few years back is the one that, that I remember that sticks out in my mind from a start to finish standpoint that he looked great over the past two weeks. I can say that about both of those games, the consistency, the quality and the dominance on the interior. And that's the point. And that's the point that everybody's going to keep bringing up on the interior. They moved him inside. He played seven percent of his snaps at defensive end this week, just basically at the start of the game. And some of the base reps, a couple of nickel reps, one dime rep. These are the things that are fine. You are know, you're, you're fine
1: with him doing that. Yeah, can't go ahead. How much I don't know if you have this off the top of your head, Craig, Mm -hmm. but how much in base was he playing inside this? Oh, um,
3: the majority. I think he only got one snap as a defensive end in the base. Like he got more as a nickel guy and one on the dime on the outside of the time. But it was basically early on in the game. And then after that, they moved him inside, even in the base. And because he was being so destructive, you you would be silly not to use him there. I obviously saw that they were getting that ver- the monster, the Hulk version of Chris and just said, hey, guess what? Line up inside. They can't handle you right now. And that was the case all game long.
2: Well, and this has always been like the big question with Chris Jones throughout his time with the Chiefs is, It's not even week to week, but it's play to play, drive to drive. When is he going to care to take over? Not that he doesn't care on every single play to try hard or anything like that, but when does he care to take over that play, that game? When he wants to give 110%, there's very few times where he doesn't impact a play when he's going all out. The issue is, and this goes back to Mississippi State, his conditioning hasn't always allowed him to do that. And then there's been times that we've all seen these plays in the Chiefs uniform where he doesn't give great effort. Even if you're tired, you can give better effort than some of the plays that we've seen. And so that does happen. That's always been there in his game. But when you get games like this or like last week and these other games that Craig's referencing, he looks like he is right there on the heels of Aaron Donald as the best defensive tackle in the NFL. Can he keep it up for the rest of this year? I think. We're all kind of wrong. Craig and I, when Steve Spagnuolo first came to the Chiefs, Craig and I both talked about how Chris Jones would kick outside. Maybe this would work. And then he could play outside, inside, you know, and these dime rush packages. Mm-hmm. Didn't happen. The one time we saw him do it against the Titans, it didn't work. Then this year, it came back again. And we're like, listen, it's going to happen. He wants to play outside. He convinced them to let him play outside. It's going to work. He looks good in practice. He looks good in the preseason. He was fine. He wasn't terrible. He just was, he was whatever. Like you were wasting though. You were wasting some of his, he wasn't dominant out
3: there.
1: Yeah. he wasn't this. Yeah. They weren't, to be fair, the the scripts, a lot of like, they weren't able to get him into those rush situations as easily. You know, when they were designating him for certain packages to kick inside and rush, like we all kind of said, even early, like he's going to be a guy that they'll kick inside in these obvious passing situations. But guess what? The Chiefs were not in control of any game for like the first (laughs) six weeks of the season. So there's your reasoning. I'm sorry, continue. No,
2: you're okay. I, I still think putting him at edge, he doesn't rush the passer in a good enough way to be a consistent impact player off the edge. Yeah. He's essentially, it's a power move. He's only going through a tackle. There's enough you know flexibility to maybe change levels, but it's still an off-speed pitch for a tackle. I don't think if you give him 30 pass rush reps at defensive end, he's going to come near the level of impact he's going to be on the inside. So it's just... The Chiefs tried it. He wanted to. They tried it. It didn't work. Now he's back inside. You have defensive ends that can play on the outside. You have linebackers behind them that are playing faster. They're doing a better mm-hmm. job helping him defend the run, You know the area that he struggled the most with in his time with the Chiefs. You've got good no- nose tackles next to him. This defense is slowly but surely building around Chris Jones in the front, and he's kind of dropped into the perfect spot now he's in the best spot he's been in the Kansas City Chiefs uniform to play the style of football he wants to play for the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. And I think you've seen it these past few weeks.
1: All right, we, we got Josh Williams with the comment saying, I got big Dan Quinn vibes wearing my hat backwards. I did make fun of Dan Quinn for that during the game. But here's something uh, Will McCutcheon also says, haven't heard Kent talking about the investment in the cornerback position in November. Mm-hmm. And that's where we need to talk about next. Yeah. I mean, we could honestly, I, I think I mentioned it during the KCSN postgame show, the live postgame show, which will now be at the Kingdom Bar and Grill, by the way, uh, moving Woo-hoo. forward, just so you know. yes, yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. But, um, you know, you can't, you could single out about every single Chiefs defender this week as guys that had a solid performance to great performance. Um, there was a lot of really, really good uh, tape out there. Uh, across the defense. The secondary, though, definitely deserves some recognition. We can start with Legarius Sneed, uh, which I'm pretty sure that there were two Legerius Sneeds on the field at any given time. Because I just, like, honestly, like, it, I almost, it felt like the Chiefs got to play with 12 defenders at times. And it was two Legerius Sneeds. Because that man was all over the field. Like, it, I watched it back yesterday and laughed. Because, like, he kept showing up the same way Chris Jones was dominating up front. Legarius Sneed was dominating uh everywhere else everywhere else, else. <laughs> despite what despite what some what some site might call an average performance he was the second best player on the field unquestionably uh and deserves a, a very i he deserves the butt slap the good job the beer whatever whatever we should just give them all to them him right now as well because that man deserves a ton of credit today for his performance Craig.
3: i mean uh, this man lives To destroy screens. Like, I'm I'm convinced. Like, there's a lot of cornerbacks on this team that live to destroy screens. I'm not trying to slight Charvarius or Rashad Fenton, who are both excellent at doing it. Legerious just takes it to a different level. Slipping Dalton Schultz to catch the receiver in air on a bubble screen. Like that does not happen. That's an elite play from a defender. Legarius need also playing off sometimes, able to still make plays against running backs in space while dodging a block, while slipping under a tight end or a wide receiver trying to wall him out. He made so many plays in the flats that if he doesn't make, go for first downs easily, extend drives for this Cowboys offense. Now, all of a sudden, LeGarrius Need is Almost single-handedly getting the Chiefs to third and long, where they can tee off, and this pass rush can go to town. You saw that time and time again. Which, why I'm so happy that he finally was the one that got you know an interception in this game because he deserved to be all over that box score, and he certainly was in support coming downhill. But you wanted to see it coming across the middle of the field and coverage just a phenomenal game. We're going to get to the other side of the field too, but my goodness, these Chiefs corners came to play this game against the Dallas Cowboys.
2: They did. And I think this was the first week that you were going to see these outside corners and they might be challenged, especially when the Chiefs came out and played a lot of single high coverage against the Cowboys. Now, not having Amari Cooper does play a role. And I think you did see the Cowboys early on were trying to get the Michael Gallup isolated one-on-one matchup. And they had you know, a mixed bag. There was some success, but it wasn't easy. It's like, this was the first week that you were going to see these outside corners get challenged a ton. I think we all kind of know how good LeJerry Sneed is now. The range that he has an impact on the game from while playing that slot corner is ridiculous. My mind is blown that somewhere out there, somebody thought he had an average game. I don't know how you watch that and come to that conclusion at all, but this was the week. The outside corners were going to be challenged. And once again, They stepped up to it. Now, I don't think that Dak Prescott gave the best throws. I think there were some drops that maybe skew a little bit of how it passed out, but they weren't a problem. They were at never, no point in time were Charverius Ward and Rashad Fitton a problem. There was one drive where Ward looked like he maybe wasn't on the same page with some other guys, and I think just about everybody, every Chiefs fan tweeted it out during this one drive, that <laughs> then he came right back the very next time the Cowboys had the ball, had the interception right before half, that I do think was a cute – that was the play of the game for me that I wrote about. Like, that yeah. was huge, stopping those points. Mm-hmm. So, Ward, Finn, you can't tip your cap enough to these guys who didn't get a huge investment from the Chiefs in a trade or in the draft that are stepping up and playing like – quality starter I mean, at this point in time we might have to call them more than quality starters they're good they've been good so far now do I feel great I still have reservations I still remember saying the same thing about Bashad Breeland and our Ward warden years past then we get to the playoffs and the Texans and then the 49ers a little bit and then Tampa Bay last year just throwing the ball vertically at them over and over and over again I still remember that but as of right now they're playing good football This cornerback room is not an issue at all right now for the Chiefs. And you look at the investment monetarily or how they got about it, you would assume they are, but they haven't been. So I mean, that's that's great for this Chiefs team that's built through the front seven.
3: Well, I I, I have, yeah. Go ahead. I have a hypothetical. uh, If unless you were going
1: to go on with the cornerbacks, Kent, I did have, I did have something really quick about the cornerbacks. Yeah, I I do think, I think the game plan early was they wanted to target Charvarius Ward. Uh, and they were definitely trying to pick on him. And Charverius would slipped. And if Dak Prescott wasn't so amped up to be going up against Patrick Mahomes uh, in a primetime game. Maybe that's a big completion down the sidelines. But, I mean, Traveris made him pay. And after he made him pay, it made it a lot more difficult for them to go after him continually. So that's a credit to Charvarius Ward. Now, I was, I'm was, i dying to hear this hypothetical from Craig now, though. I'm sorry. Okay.
3: Do we think, because there was a lot of single high, there was a lot of man coverage out of these Chiefs corners going up against Michael Gallup. Yeah. And for a half, C.D. Lamb, they were able to shut those guys down. Like Maddie said, a couple drops, but largely able to shut them down. Do we think that was an audible? by Steve Spagnuolo after he found out that Amari Cooper was out on Friday? Or do we think that was the game plan? Did they say, listen, we're going to show up, we're going to play physical with these guys like the Denver Broncos did a couple weeks before where they just really roughed up these receivers and they were able to limit Dallas a little bit? Did Steve Spagnuolo look at that and say, listen, we're going to get rough, we're going to get physical with them, we're going to force refs to call plays, which they didn't. We are going to get grabby. We are going to play physical. Do we think that that was the game plan all along, even with Amari Cooper?
2: I think it got adjusted without Amari Cooper. I think when you see Amari Cooper's out, if you don't come out and adjust your game plan a little bit to be facing Cedric Wilson and Noah Brown instead of Amari Cooper, you're not doing your job properly. So I do think that there was an adjustment. Now, I do think the game plan, like the overall style of play was going to be the same. You still were going to see single high you were still going to see this overly physical play. I mean, that's a Steve Spagnuolo staple. He's been playing like that for a long time. This defense is feeling themselves now. So they're getting back to it a little bit more. But I will say this, and unfortunately this is a bigger conversation, but Craig opened this can of worms. <laughs> From a overall team standpoint, a philosophy standpoint, the Chiefs, don't value passing outside the numbers. They don't value throwing vertical outside the numbers on offense or defense. They don't invest in outside corners because they think that's a low percentage throw. They want opposing offenses to take those throws because it's just a low percentage chance. Mm-hmm. On offense, they never, we've complained about it all the time. They don't throw vertically outside the numbers unless it's a shot play to Tyreek Hill. That's not where they try to throw the football. It's a low percentage number on both sides. I think it's gotta be an Andy Reid down thing. That's just not a philosophy of this team. Like they don't believe in throwing the football out there. They don't believe investing time or resources into those positions. I think that's pretty clear over the past seven, eight, nine years. That's not where the chiefs focus. So I do think that the chiefs are willing to give the mismatch on the outside and allow teams to challenge in that, in that area of the field.
1: They didn't, they didn't hit them. I mean, they tried, yeah. they had a wide, they had a wide open guy still miss him. And like they're, that it's good football to force some of those low percentage though, especially those fade routes a lot of times. So I do not I, I think there's probably some legitimacy to to this was something that they had kind of baked into what they were planning on doing and maybe at a high high clip, even with an Amari Cooper involved here. I do think that there's legitimately a reason to believe that um, you know, we talked a lot about the you know, the play action, the deep overs over the second level of the defense with C D Lamb, like an area of the field that the Dak Lives really does really well with the RPO stuff. And so, like, these are, you know, throw into voids and throw into space and throwing with anticipation against zone coverage is things that Dak Prescott's good at. And so, maybe there was some intentionality about we're going to, we're going to make these, you know, man throws. We're going to make these, you know, we're going to make them hold the ball a tick to try to, to let this guy get out the backside of the play, stuff like that. So, I think there's some legitimacy to this. Maybe it just been part of the game plan.
3: Yep. And just real quick before we move off the defense, Steve Spagnuolo did come out, play a little more physical, played a little more blitz heavy than I think we expected. Also probably has a lot to do with a backup offensive line. Amari Cooper being out as well, really testing you know, some of the communication up front. And it worked. Steve Spagnuolo blitzed 22% of the time. So it it was a little higher than I think we expected. That is lower than his season-long average, but still closer than I think we expected. And it was pretty spread out. It wasn't just like he got blitz-heavy at the end of the game. It was pretty spread out. But by and large, they allowed their four-man rush to set up shop and do business up front and just reap the benefits, just like you will be if you get yourself a -a macadoodles. As a franchisee, you can just print money. I've talked about it before. You can get your people just in there and just let that thing run. Because best customer service, the best selection, and the best prices, you're going to have everybody in Kansas City coming to your Macadoodles, And they're going to be spending all their liquor budget, essentially, (laughs) at Macadoodles because they can get so much. They'll get great recommendations from people. So you need to get on the phone. Get a hold of Roger, info at mcadoodles.com. Get one set up to Kansas City and let your people do the work for you. He never ceases to
1: amaze me, Craig. Thank you. We've gotten the best of us all. We've gotten 32 minutes without talking about the offense. Can we just go another 32 minutes? Yeah. Well, I think it should just be a quick hitter because Maddie's inevitably going to derail this show uh, in about four (laughs) minutes. Uh, <laughs> already had, um, I don't know where to go with this thing. Uh, you know, they started, they started really high. Like, and I, I will say this, uh, me and Maddie were having this conversation. We had it on the KC live the KCSN live post game show. We've had it in the DMS all day. You know, I, I, I don't think the offensive performance was good by any stretch of the word. Um, 19 points, you know, it, it wasn't great. Started well, early script was very good. I don't want to equate it entirely. Like, I don't think this is the worst performance we've seen in November. I don't, I, I I think, you know, it, it was somewhere between what we saw with the Raiders and what we saw with the Packers. And like, I know that's not saying a lot either, but like, I don't think it was like the, like, I, it's not like it was devoid of, of positive moments. It wasn't devoid of good things. But it also wasn't the standard that we've we've set for this offense with the best player in the world, Patrick Levon Holmes. And I think that's where things are getting it's a it's a tough narrative to kind of completely wrestle down. Because like I I've I am the I don't want to say I'm overly optimistic about this offense and just them pulling it out without any like real proof that they're gonna be able to beat too high coverage but I'm also like not willing to just secede the fact that Andy Reed and, and Patrick Mahomes aren't going to figure this thing out. We're all in this very weird spot in our discussions about the offense. Uh, but Maddie, just, I, l- I'll let you go. And just kind of maybe just talk a little bit about how you feel about what you saw this week. And maybe just, maybe just kind of look at it in, in the totality of, of the hashtag no loss November as well.
2: So, Yes, this performance was somewhere between the the Las Vegas Raiders <laughs> performance and the Green Bay Packers. There's a wide, there's a wide range. Wait, I know.
3: Literally both ends <laughs> of the spectrum. here.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know. This is yeah. However, uh-huh. for me, uh, this goes down as worse than the Packers performance from a confidence standpoint because I saw stuff in the Packers game that I saw they were trying to do. You could see them trying to change what they were doing that wasn't working in the Packers game. You started seeing less Travis Kelsey isolated in the backside of three-by-ones. You started seeing Tyree Kill being utilized as the isolated receiver a ton because it forced teams to change their coverage. You saw a couple shot plays thrown to Tyree Kill. You could see they were trying to do something different. They were trying to fix the offense. This game, after those first three drives, after you get out of the scripted plays, it was almost if the Chiefs just said, eh, we can't do it, so why try? They didn't try to run the ball. They just sat back and just tried to run RPO after RPO, crossing route after crossing route. Anytime they tried a shot play, it was predictable, and it was going to come directly off play action. At the end of a drive, that didn't go well. They always came out with one of the first or second down on a, after a quick three and out and tried the shot play right then to get something going. Just everything they did was predictable. It was doing the exact same thing that didn't work for the Giants that didn't work in the first half of the Washington football team against the Bills, against the Titans, they showed no growth. That's my issue with this offense. From the start of November to this, if you watch the Giants game and this Cowboys game, I would not have guessed that there was any growth whatsoever from this offensive standpoint. Nothing is different. It's the exact same problems that they started this month with, they're leaving this month with, and it's crazy. This is the first five-game stretch of Patrick Mahomes' career that the Chiefs, and this includes games that Matt Moore played in, not even Patrick Mahomes, that the Chiefs have averaged under 20 points per game since Patrick Mahomes took over. And that's what the 41-point game against the Raiders, who were too hard-headed to play the right defense against them, they still average under 20 points. It's broken, and they're doing nothing to fix it. That's the issue. That's the problem right now. Nothing is being done to fix it on the field. Hopefully after the bye week, this is fixed, but it's hard to watch right now. It really is.
3: Okay. Okay, do you know why that is, though? Because the defense is so damn good that outside the first fifteen, you don't have to run an offense anymore. You could run sure. a JV offense. Just take they're, three
1: knees. They're resting the on their
3: laurels. They're resting on their laurels because the defense or is elite. Just absolute the defense has been so. No, it wouldn't wouldn't that be great if I just turned this into another ten minute bit on the defense? You no, should, um, should. <laughs> no there's, and I think and I have a theory. And I haven't run past these guys. We, we've been talking to the DMs a little bit about how teams are playing them, how ineffective the Chiefs have been against a lot of this too high stuff. I don't know that it's specifically against the too high shell. I mean, they're certainly bad against it. But I think it's more teams that don't run it all that regularly. Like the Chiefs come into the Cowboys game. Uh, they're, they're primarily a single high team. They do some of the, you know, two high stuff, but they're primarily single high. And now all of a sudden, after maybe the start of this, it goes to a too high shell. Chiefs really struggle with it. They get in the middle of the game. They can't move the ball. They go four of five, you know, uh, drives in the middle of the game where they only get one first down. And then the, the fifth drive is the interception drive where they got two first down. It's just not moving the ball. At all in those had three negative net drives, not moving the ball at all, but they do play these teams that play some of these two high defenses that the concepts that they're attacking them with are better. Uh, Matty referenced the Packers game and how he liked the way that they were attacking the Packers were a too high team. We go back to, uh, you know, week three. Against the Chargers, that's a too high team. That's a Brennan Staley running a lot of this stuff that that teams are imitating. Chiefs had zero problems moving the ball in that game. Came out with a full plan of attack to get after that defense and did. What we're seeing is that the teams that are going out of their way to run something different, to present the Chiefs with yes change yeah. their identity what we're starting to see she's really struggling with that and we're, we're seeing that time and time again Raiders don't change their identity Chiefs beat the tar out of them. Packers they didn't beat the tar out of them but the concepts to attack it were right and the execution was just a little off we've seen throughout the season that maybe those sorts of teams are the ones that the Chiefs are preparing for and when they shift they just don't know how to adjust to it for some reason. They got them in their be- in their book. They know how to beat them. It's just not happening in the middle of the game.
1: So they're in their bag. Every team is just decidedly in their bag every time that the tape they play the Chiefs. Lars, I mean, and I'm not saying that's wrong, Craig, because I'm, I think I just, there's some it, legitimacy it's a to that too. I think there's yeah. probably some legitimacy to it. Andy's got to be more prepared, and and I think this might be something we see coming out of of the bye week. Is okay, look. Tendencies are being like their teams are just breaking their tendency left and right against us. There is a core identity to how these teams are breaking their tendency. and I don't think Andy doesn't know that already, but I do think the bye week could be an opportunity for them to say, "Okay, look, if teams are going to continue to play us in these two high looks, we got to be better with with more intentional with having more installed uh, on the call sheet. And ready to go if these teams are going to flip the script on their identity a little bit here or there. Like this could legitimately be a conversation that is had over the over the bye week because what this bye week is, it's it's the self assessment, it's the uh, decision making on personnel. So uh, I'll just like the, like the McCole Hardman trend right now. If he comes out of the bye week with a low snap percentage, that's it's it's done. It's over because they've made the actively made the decision that they're kind of just not going to utilize him. Beyond the gadget place, which is basically what he's been the last two weeks. So, you know, these decisions are made during the bye week. So I think there's going to be a lot of self scouting here when it comes to, you know, what do we do when teams completely flip their script and change their identity? How are we going to be better prepared to handle some of this? That's one of the questions I think is absolutely going to be had. It's not like any doesn't have stuff that can beat this. We we've seen him do we've it. Seen it. It's just, the <laughs> instincts, the the play call instincts, may are not there. Maybe aren't there entirely. Where they have been at different times, you know, a, a different feel. Maybe there's a different feel because teams are going out of their way to break their own tendencies. That could be part of the conversations worth having here, Maddie.
2: Well, and to corrects theory, I, there is some legitimacy to that. But the Titans, the I mean, yeah. the Washington football team. The second half, the Chiefs were really good, but the first half, they look very stumped. And they were one of the highest percentage of pre-snap two-high looks last year. I don't know about sure. this year. So there, there's there's some on both sides. I do think there's some of that. But even against the Cowboys, on early downs, they still played plenty of single high. I mean, on first down, the Cowboys gave you single-high looks, and the Chiefs just never really challenged it. Now, I think the next issue, beyond just the, the pre-snap two-high looks, physical defensive back play kills yep. the Chiefs. They mm-hmm. have exactly one player right now that's consistently beating it, and his name's Tyree Kill. And the problem is to operate with, to free up everybody else, to free up Travis Kelsey and Byron Pringle, Michael Hardman, you have to isolate Tyreek Hill by himself, which means he's 100% going to get that press coverage. And while he can beat it, is that the best use of Tyreek Hill? Is that where you want to put your best player in the NFL at all times? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that for the Kansas City Chiefs. So like, that's the issue even when they got single high against the Cowboys, they were afraid to take shots because nobody could beat mm-hmm. Trevon Diggs or Anthony Brown one-on-one for these shots. Like that's something you have to be able to do. So it's beyond just the two high stuff. It's this offense right now is struggling to attack a specific defense. The only defense that it's felt like they've specifically attacked their their scheme, the so the past six weeks is the Las Vegas Raiders who ran the mm-hmm. exact same coverage that they've seen, you know, since the entire time, Gus Bradley coached the Chargers. Like, that's the only team they look like they had the scheme advantage on. I would even argue in the Packers, it's because they were missing their three to four best defensive players by mm-hmm. the end of the first quarter yeah. is why it started to work. So like, they just don't look good on the offensive side. I wanted it to see get better after the bye week. I really do. Because like, at this point in time, as excited as Craig is about the defense, and you know, I'm not as excited as Craig's. I don't, you know, have to write about it every week, but I'm excited for it. I do enjoy what the defense is doing. I'm equally as saddened by what this offense has become. It's bad to watch. It's not fun to watch this offense. And I don't even think Patrick Mahomes was bad. Patrick Mahomes played a fine football game. He wasn't bad. It's just the offense lacks any kind of bite in any kind of direction on any given play. It's just wild to see from an Andy Reid coach football team.
3: Uh,
1: Oh, you got something, Craig? No,
3: no. I was gonna say I'm looking forward to getting out of the bye because then you get to play Fangio Staley defenses again. And if it, we'll we'll find Joel, out. In a hur- yeah, we'll find out in a hurry if the Chiefs come up with something to beat some of these looks that they're seeing. You you'll find out immediately. Week one after the bye, you'll find out if the Chiefs made the necessary adjustments to attack that defense.
1: There's an immense amount of legitimacy to everything Matty says uh mm-hmm. and everything he said and. I just also I think track record matters, and I think Andy Reid as a exceptional play caller, exceptional play designer, excess, exceptional offensive coach, and Patrick Mahomes, uh, who I will continue to grandstand uh, as the best player in the world uh, unabashedly. I think that's that's a that's a group you you trust to figure figure things out here. Maddie, what are we handing out today? I, I'm going to – what is it again? What am I doing? <laughs> we literally
2: hand out the same thing every single week. Kent. You're giving out a helmet sticker. Just one big KC Sports Network helmet sticker for a Chiefs player of your
1: choice. I kind of trolled you there. Uh, my helmet sticker is going to Willie Gay. I don't want his performance to get um, under uh, appreciated because it's so easy to not appreciate what a very good performance when there were so many great performances happening. Uh, his athleticism was undeniably noticeable. They are nearly closing on that interception, You know, challenging passing lanes, but also that really great play on, I think it was the third down. They tried to run a little rub concept and he beat it to the flat. Uh, and made the play before the line to gain outstanding, great game by Willie Gay, and that uh, you know he's really come along this hashtag No Loss November.
2: We're giving out a butt slap, and I believe this is the second week in a row to Byron Pringle. Not only has he cemented the fact that he's wide receiver too, but I think Dan Orlovsky had a great video of it and talked about it. The hustle that he had on the interception on Travis Kelsey's drop, he stopped that interception essentially from going for six points, and it only turned into only three points for the Dallas Cowboys. That matters. These kind of things are exactly what this award's for. Hustle play, things that fly under the radar. Byron Pringle, low key, taking over the wide receiver two roll because he's an excellent blocker. He's starting to get more trust. And then when there is a hustle play to be made, I can guarantee you number 13's out there trying to make it.
1: All right.
3: My whole ass bottle of vodka. That one right back there. It's going to Rashad Fenton. My man might need it while he's recovering from it. It does sound like it may not be as serious as we expected. They need him since Rashad Fenton has been on the field as the third corner, rotating into the nickel and dime. This Chiefs secondary has just been different. They've had a new life to him. They've had a new energy to him, a new swagger to them. So one for Rashad Fenton,
1: <laughs> whole-ass bottle of vodka for him. That's going to do it for the KC Laboratory live show. Thank you so much for listening, watching, wherever you're You're consuming this. We appreciate you. I hope you all consume a lot of food on Thanksgiving. I hope you have a wonderful week. If you don't hear from us by then, we'll catch you later.
4: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality.